Hello everyone, and welcome to Everyday Sublime. This is your host, Josh Summers, and it's a pleasure to have you here today. This podcast endeavors in many ways to explore and reveal the sublime, that is the the luminous beauty of life within the everyday. And the tools that I reflect on involve how yin yoga in particular, and qigong, and meditation are um, ways of cultivating and, and purifying a perception of the sublime. So today's episode is a uh, talk that I gave in a series of talks about the development of a particular form of meditation known as shamatha vipassana. Sometimes these are seen as two different kinds of meditation where you practice one for a while and then shift to the other. Um, I should say these are found in early Buddhism. Uh, but I prefer to see them as two sides of the same coin that shamatha, which refers to calm abiding or tranquility or uh, a stillness of presence, that this arises as we can really look more closely at our moment-to-moment experience, which is the essence of vipassana. So in other words, as we calm down, the more we'll see, just as a, a body of water, say a pond, when it becomes quieter, calmer, and still, or more still, the, the surface of the water is capable of reflecting and holding more. So that's the idea between shamatha and vipassana. How do we promote uh, a calming presence to be awake and aware of ordinary moment-to-moment experience? And when those two things kind of ripen, when there's a, a, a real deepening of calm and clear recognition of what's occurring, from that point, or from that uh, development, then a series of insights directly that are directly perceived by the practitioner become known. And I'll be speaking about those insights in future talks. But in this talk, um, which is the key to stillness part two, I am really trying to set up the, the right amount or the, an approach to the effort we bring to meditation. Because normally when people come to meditation, they're trying to change their experience or trying to optimize their experience or trying to get into a better experience. And as I'll say in this talk, all of those understandable efforts actually obviate or prevent the meditator from experiencing peace and stillness in their in their being. So that's the, the theme of this is that the, one of the keys to stillness is knowing how to approach it, how, knowing how to recognize it, what kind of effort we bring to that that inquiry. So if you're following along and practicing with the series, I would strongly recommend that for this next week or so in your practice, really emphasize the soft lightness of energy in your practice. Meaning it's really, as I'll say in the talk, it's a it's an attempt to do nothing. That uh, a lot of the instructions I give, are, or as, as Chogrim Trimpa might say, they're approximations to doing nothing. But ultimately the the journey is more and more into a an experience of presence without adding or subtracting or doing anything with the experience. So I hope you enjoyed today's talk. And before I give it to you, I just want to say that um, on our back end of the website, we've, we've changed some few things and we now have a clean, clear shop page. And on the shop page, you'll find workshops that I've recorded, courses I've recorded, and trainings. 
the workshops are two hours, the courses are seven to 10 hours, and the trainings are in the range of 50 hours. So this is a suite of on-demand products that are there to help uh, support your practice at any level that you're coming in at, whether you just wanna be a more informed personal practitioner or if you have the intention to teach. So head over to joshsummers.net forward slash shop and you'll see those offerings. And particularly, you, I would recommend starting with some of the workshops, uh, workshops that involve the basics of yin meditation or yin to yang meditation, as well as a series of, of workshops that are continu continuing to develop around how yin yoga uh, optimizes and harmonizes one's energy, which is, a, I think, a really good, skillful practice for accessing greater and greater calm, which will then reveal a, a very profound stillness and peace. So uh, again, joshsummers.net forward slash shop, where you'll find the courses workshops and trainings that Terry and I have uh, produced over the last few years. And then if you take a class or workshop with us and, and, and feel that you would like to have more ongoing support in your own practice, if you'd like to be part of a, a loose virtual community of people that share the interest in yin yoga, qigong, and meditation, then consider joining the Riverbird Sangha. The Riverbird Sangha is the online practice community that Terry and I facilitate. It includes four weekly live classes over Zoom that we teach that cover the, our suite of integral practices. And I would say these, these are practices that when combined provide a kind of synergistic uh, development that I think accelerates or facilitates with greater ease the transformation of one's consciousness. Um, and we're very excited about this unique synthesis of yin yoga, qigong, and meditation. Uh, so if you, if you become a member, uh, you, you get access to those four live classes as well as their recordings. And all our recordings of all our classes, talks, workshops, tutorials are archived in an online library, which you have lim unlimited access to with your membership. And the, the announcement that I just want to make around this is that the membership structure we've, we've been having has changed slightly. We've now just opened it up to have a broad sliding scale uh, registration model. So you can become a member from anywhere from $5 a month to $99 a month. And we just encourage people to select a means that works for them um, or select a fee that works within their means, I should say. Um, and we hope this accessibility makes anyone that's interested in participating with us, uh, make, we, we remove the barrier of financial constraint. So um, we've had recent members join from the, the podcast audience, and it's really great to connect with you people from Australia and Europe and various parts of North America. It's a, it's a really kind of loose uh, confederacy of international yin yoga meditators, and um, we're having a great time learning and, and sharing these practices with everybody. Uh, so if you'd like to, if you're interested in participating, check out joshsummers.net forward slash sangha. You'll see all the information there. And without further ado, I now bring you today's talk, The Key to Stillness, Part 2. So as I mentioned just before, uh, this fall, I'm, I'm moving the, the, the set of instructions that I'll be sharing in these sessions into the, the territory of, of meditative instructions that fall into the category of shamatha and vipassana. 
And these are two words that appear in Buddhism um, quite frequently, at least in early Buddhism, that refer to uh, developments in the meditation that uh, produce insight. And shamatha refers to the development of a steadiness of presence or a, a recognition of stillness of presence. And the Vipassana side refers to the kind of the, 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 the lens of perception that is uh, granted or developed when the mind's presence becomes still or is recognized to be still. So it's the clarity of seeing. Vipassana is the clarity of seeing and, and really the insight from that clarity that arises when the mind experiences stillness. <clears throat> um, and as I introduced last week, uh, the word stillness can often signify or suggest a few different things. And I think the, the average understanding, and this is not a, like to judge anybody, but the, I think there's, an, there's a, a widespread misunderstanding about what stillness indicates, at least in the Buddhist sense of wisdom. Um, certainly when I first heard the term, um, and I craved it in a way, but the, the thing, when I heard the term, I, I thought the term implied stillness of experience. So particularly stillness of thoughts. Like I thought that if I were to meditate well and achieve a, a sufficiently um, uh, successful degree of skill at meditation, that my thoughts would get quiet or my, my body would feel very uh, still or that um, I would enter a state of being, like a, a, a sort of a, a dimension of consciousness or a, or a room of consciousness where the experience in that state would be quite still, where uh, just things would normal garden variety irritants wouldn't be populating my mind stream anymore. Um, and in searching for stillness that way, and essentially searching for stillness in conditions, in, in, in my body, in my mind of thought, or in the environment, um, I got really, really, really frustrated. Um, but luckily, I was exposed to good teachers and, and good instruction. And the, the, the sense that I, I, or the view that I corrected, was that stillness was not about stilling the content of experience. The, the practice of stillness was one of recognizing the inherently still dimension of every experience. So it wasn't so much about getting my thoughts to be quiet. It was recognizing the container of presence that was still relative to the thoughts, as an example. And last week, I, I shared uh, another quotation from the great Thai teacher Ajahn Chah, where he he really um, points to this already present stillness. He calls it peacefulness, but it's it's the same um, same dimension of, of of reality or the same dimension of subjective experience. Um, <clears throat> so, and he said, "quote About this mind, in truth, it isn't really anything. It's just a phenomenon. Within itself, it's already peaceful." As I said last week, that's a provocative statement because, you know, my experience right now, or at most points during the day today, that my mind didn't feel terribly peaceful. So for him to be saying the mind itself, within itself, is already peaceful is, a, is a, quite a curious statement. 
but he, he, he fills it out or fleshes it out. He says that the mind is not peaceful these days is because it follows moods. Sense impressions come and trick it into happiness, suffering, gladness, and sorrow. But the mind's true nature is none of those things. That gladness or sadness is not the mind, but only a mood coming to deceive us. The untrained mind gets lost and follows these things. It forgets itself. And then we think it is we who are upset or at ease or whatever. But really, the mind of ours, this mind of ours, is already unmoving and peaceful. So he's essentially describing in, in different language what I was trying to say last week, that, that um, the, the original mind, the peaceful mind, the stillness of the mind um, is not recognized or forgotten when there's a habit of flowing with or getting lost in sense impressions. <clears throat> so the, the, there, there tends to be then a, a view in a kind of meditative culture that to not get lost, you have to tr uh, try really hard to stabilize yourself. Like, and there comes the, the language that we've looked at in the past around trying to anchor your mind or anchor your awareness to something specific and keep it there so that you can not, not get lost in, in, say, your thinking or your, your planning or your remembering, uh, but you stay steadfast and present. Uh, but the, the issue with that is that if, and this is, this is kind of a tricky thing to, to try to articulate, but if, if we take it as, as a working premise that this stillness is already here, it's not something that we create, it's not something that we uh, attain, it's something that gets recognized in that it, it's already hiding in plain sight. If we take that as the hypothesis, then if, our, if in our practice we're, we have effort trying to bring about this perception of stillness, like trying, we're trying to make it happen or trying to do something as a meditator to make it happen, very often what, what, what occurs is that we're, we start to look right past the potential for seeing it right now. So if, if let me try to say that again, if the, if as a meditator, if we have an idea, I have to do something in my meditation to become still or to uh, create stillness, then we'll be doing things that preclude our ability to recognize it in the now. And I share this in my yin <coughs> trainings a lot, uh, but there's a, a, a kind of a, an analogy that Adyashanti, a contemporary teacher, gives. And he says, when there's a lot of efforting in our spiritual journey, when we're, when we're, we're striving to make something happen or trying to be present or we're, we're working hard, <clears throat> that energy that we infuse our practice with is not unlike someone who's in a motorboat on a pond motoring around 
looking for the calm water. It's really what I was trying to say in a, in, a, in a less tangible way earlier. The activity of seeking it, of looking for it in things, blocks the recognition of it already here. <clears throat> so as Adi would say, when you, when you sort of start to feel the implications of, of trying in the meditation, of striving to create something or to get somewhere. Uh, the insight comes, coming back to the analogy of the boat and, the, and creating all the, the, the waves and the wake in the water, when you see the, 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 the turbulence you're creating in the water, <clears throat> the insight arises just to turn the ignition key off and be patient. And in many ways, that's what I've been trying to get at with the idea of yin meditation that we're, we're, we're in a, a gentle way practicing being relaxed and receptive to ordinary experience. And really, I, I include in that the totality of ordinary experience. So that includes cloudy mind states, focused mind states, sleepy mind states, bright and alert mind states. We just be, we, 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 I try to emphasize relaxed receptivity. So we start to dial down the, the um, the effort volume in our practice and move in the direction of what we could call effortless effort or a kind of relaxed presence without doing and when I was thinking about this um, this theme of of what kind sort of effort or what kind of energy do we want to activate or act upon in our meditation I was reminded of a another passage from a different teacher uh, in a different tradition. This is from a Tibetan teacher named Chogim Trungpa. And in his book <clears throat> called The Myth of Freedom, he says uh, something similar. He says, meditation is not a matter of trying to achieve ecstasy or spiritual bliss or tranquility. The key word there is meditation is not a matter of trying to achieve. That's, that's an important piece. Nor is it attempt is, is it attempting to become a better person. I, I have to do something to become somebody else. So it's more of the motorboat striving to become something other or get something else. Rather, he says, meditation is simply the creation of a space in which we're able to expose. And, and I'm, <laughs> this language is a little strong. He's a strong teacher. It says we're in which we're able to expose and undo our neurotic games, our self-deceptions, our hidden fears and hopes. Might sum all that up with the, the neurotic games, the self-deceptions, and hidden fears and hopes. It's kind of our our habitual um, uh, reactive patterns that get activated in our life. So he says we provide space through the simple discipline of doing nothing. The simple discipline of doing nothing. Then he says, actually doing nothing is very difficult. <laughs> doing nothing is very difficult. At first, we must begin by approximating doing nothing. And gradually, our practice will develop. I had to laugh because I, I read this book years before I uh, kind of started to fashion this idea of yin meditation and yang meditation. 
But I realized that in hindsight, it was probably good that I named yin meditation, yin meditation, because to call it more directly, approximating doing nothing meditation <laughs> probably wouldn't be a very popular title. <laughs> Come sign up for a workshop, uh, approximating doing meditation workshop. <clears throat> but he's, rec- he's, he's articulating that to actually sit and, and quote unquote, do nothing is not so easy. Um, and and the games, the, the, the neurotic games, the, the the activities in the mind, are the the in some ways the movement of seeking something in the world of experience. And that's that's a very broad general blanket statement. But you know, a lot of times when we're thinking, we're trying to figure out how to secure, how to improve, how to adapt, how to um, clean out, how to cull, how to do all sorts of things within the world of experience. And so we let all that kind of unfold or unfurl with the intention of just letting it be. So before we, you know, in this series of, 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 of lessons and reflections, before we start moving into really looking at the various elements of experience that the Vipassana side of practice encourages. <clears throat> I want to enter into that, that approach with a, a real clear and, and hopefully um, palpable sense of what wise effort feels like in regard to being present with doing as little as possible. And within that, my hope is that I can point you in with a few suggestions to how to start to intuit, to perceive directly or sense directly a field of stillness or a, uh, a quiet presence. Different language can refer to it in different ways, but uh, there's a, a, a quiet presence within us that, that can be very calm within the whole variety of presentation experience that arises that we know. <clears throat> and so for the, the, this week, kind of your homework is to, to practice a few variations of these instructions that I'm about to give. And the first one is just to remember that the foundation of this process is still yin meditation. So the, the encouragement to be relaxed with your experience, to be receptive to what's occurring, to have a perch or a few perches in your body or in the environment that you let your, rest, your attention rest on as and when that feels safe and secure or um, helpful to take a, take a breather or take some rest from something. Also, it's important to know about the, the, the permission to play your edge with, the, with experiences that come up. So I'm not saying do nothing as an absolute rule. I want to be very clear on that. What I'm suggesting now is that within the foundation of yin meditation, just like I said last week, in the, the phases of your experience, the moments of your practice when your mind naturally is awake. Not when you're forcing, not when you're trying to be awake, which again, just activates the doer, which starts to 
agitate the waters. Okay, so not when you're trying to get awake, but when you just find wakefulness, awake again. At that point, so this is the awake phase, the, what I'm trying to refer to as the yang phase of, of the meditative dynamic. When you're awake, um, a few things you can do is one, just practice relaxing at that moment. And that was a, a bit of advice I picked up years ago that I found very helpful for me. That when I woke up, rather than uh, uh, sort of kind of rushing back to my perch of my breath, uh, feeling like I had made there was something wrong in my experience or that I made a mistake by wandering. And I tried to pretend the wandering didn't happen by zipping my mind back to my breath. Like, I didn't wander. I'm back on the breath. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> um, but a teacher in the, my early days said, you know, if, if you just really emphasize this for a while, at the moment you wake up, just just softly relax for, for a few moments. That can really discharge uh, the kind of tension or inadvertent striving, the inadvertent hope, like trying to do something special or have something occur that you're wait, waiting or wanting. The relaxation can really uh, help dissolve that, that energy. So relaxation is one tip. Um, and then building on sort of, the, sort of the suggestions from the last week or the week before, um, if you, upon awakening, find that there's, uh, there's something in you calling for attention, if you, if you wake up and you feel like you're in your, and you'll know what this is like when there's a, there's a big topic or there's a, a wound or a memory or something that's, that's causing pain. If you wake up to something that seems to be calling for attention, I would re really recommend giving that, uh, a good, giving that, that dynamic, a good listen to just focus and listen to that with a wholehearted sense of compassion in the past, we talked about like asking the, this part or this dynamic, what kind of, what is it seeking? What is it hoping for? What is it concerned about? Um, but the, the, the essence of it is to, to really hold that and, and, and bring a compassionate presence to that energy. You don't have to do anything with it other than to hold it with care, just a tender care. Um, and, and you can stay with that as, as long as you'd like. Um, but the the added element tonight, and this is something just to practice both formally in the meditation, and and I would encourage you to try to practice this as form informally as you can off the cushion or off your seat. But the added element tonight is um, when there isn't, say, a charged issue that is at calling for our, our attention, but we're just dealing with the the the, the normal ish flow of experience like we're, we're noticing thoughts not sounds and sensations my suggestion tonight is to practice peace just practice what it, what what might be what it might feel like for you to be peaceful with what's occurring now the key is to be as benignly um that's the phrase I'm looking for. To do this as benignly as possible, meaning as lightly and as uh, hands-off as possible. And there's going to be times that you might find yourself trying to be peaceful, and I, 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 I can appreciate that. 
but really through um, the, the first phase of relaxing, just you might ask yourself, as we've done in the past, with a, with a question or two, what would it mean to, for me to practice peace within this experience? Or another phrase I, I um, had was, what does it mean to be peacefully present with experience? Because sometimes peace, we feel like we need to be removed. And the, um, the stillness that Ajahn Chah is referring to in that passage that's already here, that's hiding in plain sight, um, is tied up with the, the, the stillness of our presence. It's, it's 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 like another side of our presence. So really sensing what does it mean to just be peace present and peaceful to what's happening, and that's a practice. We can it's a question we can ask, um, and 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 explore where the question takes our attention in terms of what it reveals. And what I mean by that is that you're likely, and this is what I found when I've been doing this. Is that I? The first thing it reveals is what does it mean to be practiced peaceful? Is it I start to reveal or get to know the various energies or the various movements of my being that are not at peace, or, you know, that are leaning on something or reaching for something or spun around by something. So that that's going to happen. I would I would I would expect it to happen. But within that, when you start to see the, the energies that are the, like the wind currents or the weather patterns that are blowing you here or there, what does it mean to, to practice presence, a peaceful presence to those, those weather patterns or to those conditions? Um, so the, the, the two phrases that you might work with are the idea of practicing peace or um, I, I adapted a, a, a phrase from another passage from, from Trungpa, Chogam Trungpa. Uh, there's a word that I haven't used in my teaching in a long time, and I, I, I listened to it. It kind of leapt out at me as an interesting one to, to share with you tonight. Trungpa says, the basic practice is to be present right here. The goal is also the technique. So precisely being in this moment neither suppressing nor wildly letting go, but being precisely aware of what you are. I, I, that last passage, that last clause, being precisely aware of what you are. The word, like the precise thing, just, it, it, when I heard that word, it, or read the word, it, it um, it's like it brought in a, a collection of, qualities that I haven't really thought about in meditation before. And I'm not even sure I want to try to define what those qualities are yet. But for you, when you hear that word, when, it, when you're invited to be precisely aware of what you are, I'd like to see tonight, what is, what is that? How does that um, operate within you in your being? How does that condition how you relate to what's coming up, what you try to do or not do. Um, so practicing peace, precise presence or precisely present. These it's a whole string of P words. <laughs> you know, if you want to, you could be precisely peaceful 
or presently peaceful. You can play, play with and juxtapose any of them against each other. But the, the idea is, is to um, consider that what Ajahn Chah is pointing to, and, and it, that there is a peacefulness, a stillness here that is never going to be realized if we're, we're striving or, or efforting our way to try to get to it. So I, I, we've heard about relaxation a lot from me. We've talked about receptivity. But maybe through the reflections I've given tonight, there might be a way that uh, a, you open up or allow yourself to settle in and relax into a deeper way. What does it really mean to, to do nothing other than be precisely aware of what you are? Okay, I hope you enjoyed today's talk. I hope it provides some good reflection and support for your practice. And mostly, I hope it starts to point you into a direct experience of your own stillness and peace. Uh, if you would like to practice with Terry and me in an ongoing way, again, check out what we are doing at the Riverbird Sangha. We have weekly classes. We have a library of practices, workshops, and tutorials for your edification and development. And we'd love to have you join us. So you can go over to joshsummers.net forward slash sangha, S-A-N-G-H-A, for all the information there. Otherwise, until next time, uh, keep practicing. Really try to put into your own practice or bring into your practice some of the reflections I shared today. The, the lighter, the more relaxed your effort is in your meditation, the easier I think it is to behold the sublime. And then going forward, I will be expanding the instructions to include the Vipassana side, where we really take a close look at what we're aware of in terms of the content. And then from there, we'll start to explore what it is that is aware of that content. So practice well, stay safe, keep strong, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Take good care.